In just three years, the Sports Prototype Cup has established itself as a leading series for prototype racing. With an ultra-competitive entry list that includes none other than Sir Chris Hoy and some stunning machinery, it's hardly surprising that the bank holiday weekend season opener at Silverstone was a cracker. Joining me on the line is series coordinator James Bailey. James, uh, it was a great start to the season, wasn't it? It was wonderful. I mean, after all the hard work that BARC, the marshals, the teams, the Motorsport UK have have put into getting racing back on track to to be greeted by a a warm and sunny bank holiday weekend at uh, at Silverstone was was brilliant and the the atmosphere was great. I mean, we couldn't really have spectators there, um, but to to put on a a field of of thundering prototypes as a as a contrast to the the, the buzzing C1s in their wonderful 24-hour race, which I thoroughly enjoyed too. Um, it just showed the whole diversity, really, of, of, of British you know, national and club racing. It was just, just a great day or a great 24 hours plus. Going racing in the sunshine was uh, was a blessing in itself, wasn't it? But as you quite rightly say, a real interesting juxtaposition on this uh, this Bark uh, programme of the C1s, uh, the Citroen C1s and, and these sports prototypes. It's just a, a spectacle to behold, isn't it? It is. And that's yeah, what we love um, about, about the British motorsport scene. On any given weekend, you can go to to a circuit, well, once they're open to the public very soon, um, and just see such a such a diverse mix of racing. You know, even looking at the BARC feeds and the excellent TV coverage over the weekend, you know, you've got a brilliant mix of racing at Donington on on Bank Holiday Monday, the, the Silverstone on on Saturday Sunday, and uh, it it I don't think there's any other country in the world that has just such a a wide mix of activity from historic and classic through to Formula racing, through to prototypes, through to um, 24 hour races for Citroens. It's just such a great mix. Hmm. Now, for people who aren't familiar with sports prototypes, let's go back to some basics. Explain the types of cars that you have in the series. Yeah, the hierarchy of motorsport is you've got your single seater cars from Formula One downwards. Um, you've got your, your touring cars from world touring cars and British touring cars down into to all the tin tops in club racing. And then prototypes are typically your your two seater purpose built sports cars with with enclosed wheels, um, of which the the peak of that range are hypercars or what was formerly LMP one at, at Le Mans. Um, but it's been an area that's that's grown a lot in the last twenty years, particularly thanks to manufacturers such as as Radical, who have made two thousand of their bike engined prototypes over the over the last two decades, and. We started the Sports Prototype Cup really to cater for that level of car. The Radical SR3 is it's a bit like the Caterham 7. Wherever you look, there's 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 one of these racing somewhere. Um, but also the founders of Radical, um, which included Phil Abbott, the original managing director and founder of Radical, had started a new project three years ago called Revolution. Um, so they moved on from Radical and decided to launch the car that radical would have done next that's probably the best way of of describing it a car that's um, an upgrade over the existing radical sr3 and sr8 called the revolution a1 um, it's a step up in performance it fills that gap between radical level and lmp3 level and the price point is also somewhere in between um, but it brings that lmp type level of safety with carbon fiber tubs a unique double halo um, head protection system and the kind of safety that 
that really um, gentleman drivers, I don't really like that phrase, but that's what they say in the, in the Le Mans world, let's call them bronze level drivers. Um, it, that kind of level of safety is, is, is really important important to them and that's where the revolution is pitched so we end up with a grid with revolution a1s being the core class radical sr3s being another class but we open it to a wider range of prototypes from lmp3 through to sports 2000 to bring this diversity to the grid and these bits of machinery uh, and the drivers obviously are quick bits of kit aren't they they certainly are um i mean anything that goes around Silverstone in under under two minutes is is pretty quick. Um, yeah, it was like so... qualifying time what one fifty five. Um, I'm I'm not quite sure what a Formula One car does it in, but that sounds jolly quick to me. It is. I mean, something like an LMP one car is in the in the the one forties. Um, LMP twos high one forties. LMP threes about one fifty four. Um, and then the Revolution A one um, is capable of one fifty seven, one fifty eight in in the right hands, um, which you know, puts it. You know, very close to to LMP3 pace, um, but it's a more accessible car for 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 amateurs and for for race hire teams to run as well. Um, and that's one of the main thrusts of our of our series is to provide revolution with a one make series within the sports prototype cup. And ultimately, that revolution A1 trophy one makes might become a one make series on its own. Um, we believe it's a five year plan. We're in year three of that plan, but because of COVID and lockdowns, we're still really treating this as probably our first full year. Um, so it's a case of really resetting and, and, and starting again. Now, I mentioned Sir Chris Hoy, who, um, uh, I don't know, two wheels and then goes rally crossing and, and is now in sports prototypes. I'm, I'm getting a little bit jealous of his abilities here. Um, but yeah, Chris has obviously made good account of himself, but you have got some very tidy drivers uh, in the series, haven't you? We have. The, ta- the talent level is is very high. I mean, Sir Chris Hoy, um, I, we don't refer to him now as a former Olympian because his... Uh, his track outgrown in cars <laughs> is, uh, is, is now pretty impressive. Um, he's raced at Le Mans. He's won the um, LMP3 European Le Mans series a few years ago. Um, and he took the win of the Revolution Trophy at, at Silverstone in race two. Um, so I think Chris likes to think of himself as a, as, as a, as a, as a front-running national, international level race driver now. Um, that also happens to be quite handy on a bicycle. So he's he's performing extremely strongly, and he's committed to the series for the year. Um, but other drivers of note at at Silverstone were um, in our open class: uh, Bon Grimes, who raced in the World Endurance Championship last year with the Red River Sport Ferrari, and um, is a regular in another BARC series Brick car. Um, mm. He. Um, rolled out his LMP3 car run by Nielsen Racing and, and took two wins. Um, but he was nibbled at all the way through the race by Mike Genvey. Um, and Mike Genvey has a home-built special based on a gun um, Sports 2000 base chassis, but a very highly developed car, which has really been the test bed for his own company um, because many people in the world of motorsport will recognise a Genvey name from making... Um, throttle bodies and uh, and other such engine tuning equipment, and and Mike Jemvy uses this car as as his R and D test bed, and it was wonderful to see this little Genvy gun um, nibbling at the 
the big beast of, of an LMP3 car for pretty much the whole race at uh, at Silverstone. It was a it was a real um, it was like it's like watching a terrier nipping nipping at the heels of a bigger dog. Um, but the other you know, star performance for us at, at Silverstone was was James Abbott, the son of Phil Abbott, the founder of Revolution. Um, James Abbott's a, um, a former British Formula Four race winner. He made the debut in Revolution's US spec car because um, all the Revolutions that race in the UK are normally 380 horsepower, all running to a one-make formula for consistency and reliability. Um, but Revolution are breaking into the US market. Um, big numbers sell cars in America, particularly in the track day scene. So this is a 420 horsepower, 770 kilo car. Um, so an upgrade over the over the standard Revolution A1. Um, and James Abbott put that on the front row of the grid, um, splitting the LMP3 cars. So that was an impressive performance. And as Revolution embark on their US export drive, um, it really shows that they've got a car here that's half the price of LMP3 and uh, mm. able to split them on a grid. You, you may have answered my next question, James, actually, which is what is the attraction of the sports prototypes? And I, and I guess some of it is the high level of engineering and obvious speed with um, affordability, if you like, to go racing at this level. Yeah, that's the beauty of the sports prototype cup is there's a place in it for everything from professional teams. You know, we had Nielsen Racing who race it in the Le Mans 24 hours running Bond Grimes as um, um, LMP3 car but it's also the sort of series where if you have a 20 year old Radical or Sports 2000 car that you run from your own garage and you perhaps run it in series like Bike Sports or Historic Sports 2000 there's a place on on the grid for you um, and it's that's what I love about the series it's uh, it's that diverse mix and there's not many series in the UK where you uh, you see such a mix of um, you know, van and trailer entrance and big truck and awning entrances is <laughs> sharing the same space in the paddock and you know they're all uh, some of those tuned radicals and uh, cars like the the gem v gun um are really well in the mix and and say quite close to the the pace of of the revolutions and some of the faster cars too so it's a lovely mix of cars and i think that's the attraction there's a there's a place here for the um, the driver that wants to do arrive and drive race hire, you know, who perhaps looks at the market and thinks, am I going to race in GT3 or GT4? But they see the fact that you can go and rent a revolution for a year and take part in some some great races, including an Italian Grand Prix Formula One support race that we have in, in September. Um, but at the same time, if you're um, the kind of person that likes tinkering in, in the garage and you've got a 20-year-old radical pro sport and you upgraded it yourself and made your own aerodynamic and engine modifications there's also a place for you on the grid mm. now part of the bark package uh, as you already mentioned from uh, last silverstone uh, meeting you come up again at donnington in october but lots of other uh, places on the calendar where else are you going some exotic places i think yes um we've got a four weekend calendar this year so we've had silverstone all of our race weekends are double headers uh, we're off to Portugal to the Autodromo Algarve in the middle of July. Um, that's a, a double header event with three hours of track time, so two 45 minute practice sessions and two 45 minute races. And that's in 
in mid-July. Um, that's actually supporting the 24 hours of Portimao. And then the highlight of the year, which is for the Revolution class only. Um, it's an exclusive for owners and teams with the Revolution A1. And that is the official Formula One support race at the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. And uh, it's, it again, there's not many series that would mix uh, a, a club level event and doing a Formula One support event. And then after that, we're back at Donington to round off the year at the end of October, um, where we race alongside um, Britcar. We share a partner with Britcar in that uh, Goodyear are the tyre supplier to both series. Um, so we come together at the end of the year to to race with them. But the Italian Formula One support race, that's the, the Revolution exclusive. It builds on a Formula One support race that we had at the, the end of last year at, at Portimao. Um, we took the opportunity of approaching Formula One with the Revolution A1 um, as a potential support race. And when an opportunity came up last year that the Porsche Super Cup couldn't travel to Portimao, they called us at eight weeks' notice and asked, could we fill the gap? And we did. And then we put on a, a show with 19 drivers battling um, just before Lewis Hamilton's record-breaking Portuguese Grand Prix win. Um, and they liked what they saw. And we were invited back to, to go to Monza. So hopefully if crowds return to Formula One events, the opportunity for you know, British club racing drivers to go and race in front of the Tifosi at Monza is, really is... And it's, it is a cliche, but probably is true. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. <laughs> you won't be short of people wanting to help carry your bags for that meeting, will you? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have quite a few bags to carry, um, <laughs> mainly full of FIA paperwork. <laughs> now, you're the series coordinator, James, but have you, uh, uh, have you ever been behind the wheel? Have you got yourself in the, in the cockpit of, of one of these vehicles? Not one of these yet. I'm not trusted with with um, an expensive sports prototype yet, but it's on my um, bucket list to, to do. Um, I've raced a lot in the past. Um, I started my own championship when I was a student 30 years ago um, because um, just a bit like the, the coordinator of the Citroen C1 series, I wanted to create a cheap series and I created the Fiat Uno Challenge um, back in the early 90s because... Basically, I only had £1,500 to spend on a race car and I couldn't find a series. So I thought I'd create one and uh, and within a year, 30 other people had joined me. Um, so we we ran the Fiat Uno series through most of the 90s. Um, and that's where I've got this passion for low-cost series like the C1, um, C1 Challenge. Uh, and then from there, after racing in the Fiats, I also raced in Westfields in the BARC series for a year. And then in the Ginetta G20 series, when that was part of the Dunlop Great and British package with BARC in 2005 and 2006. Mm. So apart from a couple of historic races, I've not raced since then, but it's it's very much in my blood. Sounds like you are having a lot of fun with this sports prototype series, really enjoying it. It is. It's fabulous, but like every other race championship, it's all about the people and what I love about a weekend such as the one we had at Silverstone is you go around the paddock and just people at whatever level they're at are enjoying themselves, whether it's the driving, whether it's the working on the engineering side of the cars and prototypes couldn't be a, you know, a creative engineering challenge as well. And there's just so much passion and drive and determination to, to get those cars out there on the grid. And uh, 
you know, as we, I think I'd probably speak for every championship coordinator here, as we come out of of lockdown and we start going back to the circuits and, and mixing with our our friends, our competitors, our colleagues, the marshals, the officials in the paddock, we also all realise how important motorsport is as a social scene. You know, what happens on the track matters. But one of the main reasons why people go racing is because it's their weekend away with, with their friends. Isn't that the truth? Uh, wise words there, James. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, great to catch up with you. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Do remember um, your friends when it comes to carrying your bags for uh, Monza, won't you? Um, but enjoy the rest of the season. Uh, but now, James Bailey, many, many thanks. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the season.